Why don't you start us off with prayer this morning? Would you do that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Father God, thank you that um, when we went to sleep last night, we did not know if today would be a day for us. And you have brought us into this day. Um, And it is with this day, uh, you have a purpose and a plan. And there is goodness and ministry and love for us to to walk in. And so we ask for clear eyes and minds and hearts to um, pursue this day for your glory. And we thank you for this time that you have uh, just cleared out for us to come and be parents together and to hear um, hear inspiration and, and strategy and um, conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're thrilled that you showed up. If you came last week, you weren't scared away by the little sermon clip uh, that we shared. Uh, if, you, if this is your first time or if you're coming back, just a reminder, each uh, week we'll have a clipboard. Feel free to take uh, all these sheets home with you. There's a syllabus of kind of what we're going to be reading each week. And just as a reminder, you can not read any of this and just show up and we're delighted to have you. Or you can read through some of it, or you can go totally in the deep end, and we have more resources. We'd love to share those with you throughout it. But uh, you got a, a notes page. Secondly, really excited. Uh, we have if, you have, if you know nothing about this class, we've assembled a team of parents to function as like a virtual parenting panel. And last week, there were three questions that were submitted And in your packet, you will see what this parent panel, how they answered. And you'll see all sorts of different colors there. Those are different folks' responses. And we're hoping that they're going to come at the very last class and reveal themselves in person. If not, these are folks that we look up to and who've got kids a little further on down the line. So we're blessed by what they have to say. So uh, just as a reminder, uh, you can submit a question to them at any point in this class, like right now, uh, up until about 8 o'clock on Sunday evening is when I'll shut it off. So, And we didn't know how this was going to go. I mean, you just totally. like – and the question responses we got back this week. We were floored. 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 Absolutely um, just gracious responses. You, you'll see it. There's, there's some vulnerable hindsight 2020. There's some um, – there's, there's a thread of, of similarities in a lot of these responses. And, you know, the parent panel, they don't really know what each other is saying. They're not seeing that. Yeah, they haven't um, seen it at all. And, and, and what I see is the spirit of God in this. It was really, it really affirmed that... Um, that there's some goodness and some fruit that's going to come out of this. I mean, I'm like, we could get a book out of this. At no, the end I think that's <laughs> actually what we're going to do is maybe do something with it. But there is enough variety that mm-hmm. there's substantial differences and yet a clear unity on the most important matter. Mm-hmm. So last week and this week, we were talking about what's the goal of parenting? What's the point? What is our hope and desire? And that's a little bit of why we played that clip. But just as a reminder... You'll see at the very end, the last page, is got, it's got the discussion questions and the QR code of how you submit a question to this parenting panel. So we are not going to be offended if you take out your phone and you scan that while we're talking or in your small group. Just go ahead and let's assume that's what's going on. But feel free to do that. Our Theology on Tap does this all the time and maybe like folks uh, – 
I don't know, Gen Z is maybe a little easy, like more ready at, at just taking out their phones and scanning QR codes, but feel free to do that and submit any questions you want. I'll assemble them, and next week you'll see what they have to, to say. So take these home and, and read them. You'll be blessed. So why, you know, if you did listen to that, you just, again, we, I think I sent out the link to the whole sermon that we played, but we played just 10 minutes. What stood out to you? What made you want, both of us wanted to share that sermon as we started the class? And we didn't get a chance to really talk about that last week. Um, what resonated in, in that sermon is the word compromise. And I think how that really takes the content that we're going to look at the next couple weeks is that um, the question that so much of this is, is spurring us on to ask is, is where are those compromises in our lives based on the habits that we're forming, the um, intentional and unintentional liturgies that we are, are living in and that our children are uh, being modeled and then trying out themselves. And so uh, that, that the essence of compromise is um, something that has really, I think, taken me deeper into this stuff that we're going to read. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, uh, again, we've got this book right here is from last year. This book was written by an Anglican bishop in 1860. And the sermon we listened to last week was from 1940. Mm -hmm. And what was shocking was just how much of that applies to the own struggles in my own heart and in our family and things that I see in the world today, uh, particularly when it comes to, you know, I love that he talked about Parents do, by and large, really want their kids to succeed. They want the best for their children. They want it in education. They want it in um, you know, physical health, social graces he talked about. But also uh, we tend to the, – the, the leftovers usually are on the thing that is most important, their spiritual lives and their soul. Uh, and that is always a perennial temptation, I think, in our own family. So it was relieving, I think, for me to know that these, these are things that people have struggled with for so long. Um, and yet the, the, the fundamental question is, what does it all matter if they gain the world and yet lose their soul, as Jesus said? What, what if they get all these things and they don't know God? That was the question that he ended with last week. And so we're, we're diving into... Uh, some of the stuff, we'll, we'll start off with Ryle now. Uh, did anybody get it? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but or you want to go ahead? Uh, well, we only have one copy. Yeah. Um, and I highly suggest sharing a book with your spouse because you learn a lot about each other. Um, Justin has like meticulously underlined like two word things and makes notes. And then me, I'm like highlighting and putting, oh, that's five stars or that's a heart. So you probably know this better and have distilled it better because I'm just like, I, that's good. That's yeah. good. I, I highlighted that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that, whatever way works for you, you know, and that's kind of what I do. But I think what one of the things that we'll just do is cover some of the things that really resonated with us in each of these books mm -hmm. and then break out for discussion. Because so, like last night when we were, we were doing this, it, it, was, it was just – at first we said, okay, we'll, we'll look at this and then we'll go to this. But – the reality is, is, is just it, it almost like these two texts throw books back and like throw a ball back and forth at each other. They're they're saying the same thing in such wonderful ways, one more contemporary than the other. It really was like astonishing to look. If you've had a chance to look at both of the, the books from the, you know, the assigned reading for this week, it's amazing how much overlap there is. Uh, so I would say you know, the goal of parenting, right? What's what's the the hope, right? And 
Both of them say the hope as Christian parents is to form the love of God and the love of neighbor in our children's hearts, right? And so that is, that is the goal. That, not that they win the world and lose their soul, but that their souls are ever on our minds, right? And so uh, J.C. Ryle talks a lot about Proverbs 26, or 22.6, which says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of y'all is, have heard that verse before? Great. Yeah, excellent. So I've heard it. Proverbs are uh, a fun thing because, you know, if you look at that, there is, you know, a command, train the child in the way they should go, and a promise, when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs are not surefire guarantees, right? They are generally how God's designed the world to work. So if you think about, like, you know, there's a lot of condemnations of like the sluggard in Proverbs. And it's like, hey, if you roll over on your bed, you're sleeping all day, you're not working, it's not going to go well in life. Similarly, uh, those, it generally will go well for the parents who train their child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And I think right off the bat, talking about what is ours to own and to be responsible for and what we can't control, right, as parents. At the, at the end of the day, and he talks about this I don't know where and what chapter, but we can't save our children. It's God who raises dead hearts and brings dead souls to life. And that's the condition of all of us. We're born in this world. And that's, that's where he starts, actually, in the very first chapter. He says, remember, children are born with a decided bias towards evil. And therefore, if you let them choose for themselves, they are certain to choose wrong. That is a very controversial statement in today's world because, by and large, we don't believe in original sin. Well, I mean, and I, like, go, like, you meet someone's baby, and, like, what's the first thing you say? And, I mean, maybe I overthink it. I'm, like, paralysis by analysis. But you, like, hold someone's baby, and you want to be like, they're perfect. What an angel. What an angel. And I'm like, ah, no, like, they're a little sinner. Like, it's really hard to behold, like, when you've got this really cute, adorable... Wonderful creation. Um, and they're wonderful. And there's an innocence, right? But yes. like the Bible is clear. Uh, it says here that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Uh, David in Psalm 51.5 says that he was born sinful. He was sinful in the womb even before he was born. So uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were all dead in our sins and transgressions. I mean, dead people can't do much good, right? <laughs> they have to be made alive. That's what regeneration conversion is by the word of God. So we can't control our children's salvation, but we as parents are the most important vessels and instruments that God uses to bring often about the conversion of our children. Um, And what I loved about these texts and what I was surprised by, and we talked last week about that gut punch feeling, um, is, especially, I mean, duties for parents, it's, it's, he packs so much and just like two, and it's pretty radical. It, it's it's calling you to some pretty sacred in, at a level of intensity, which I think we shy away from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not you know you don't want to be those weirdos, right? You don't want to be seem different. Like maybe if I play it cooler, it will attract more people, but that is ultimately the compromise that will not. Shepherd my children to the promised land. And um, he has this great line. Chapter four. Yes, chapter four. 
um, at the bottom of page 23, I put five highlighter stars and then another on the other side, and I like really highlighted it, and then I feel very affirmed because Justin also put little things around it. Um, but it said, think of it in this way. In every step you take with them, in every plan. I mean, I mean, he's not saying just in steps you take with them. In some plans you do it. Like, in every step you take with them, in every plan, scheme, and arrangement that concerns them, ask yourselves this mighty question. How will this affect their soul? I mean, that, that shakes me as a parent. It, it shows me that I am a sinner, right? Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to mess this up royally. If, if, and, I, and I shy away. Like, I don't want to ask that question. I don't want to say, how will this affect their soul? Because it makes me woefully aware of, of how I can mess this up, of how little thought I'm putting into this. Yeah, and that brings us a little bit uh, what we talked last week was that parenting, like marriage, is we often go into these relationships thinking that this is something that's going to make us tremendously happy. And that's true, right? <laughs> like, there's something wonderful and it, it does, in a sense, make us happy. But more importantly, God designs these relationships of parents to children and husband and wife to be the instruments, to be these, the kind of incubator of holiness where we are sharpened. There is no greater relationships, probably, like the more intimate relationships of marriage and parenting. You see one another as you really are and your sin is exposed and there, are sh- there is shame and there is guilt. And we talked about that's kind of by design. God showed, gives us this to show us we don't measure up. And so what we're called to do, we fail at miserably. Mm-hmm. And the good news of the gospel is that we are forgiven even in our worst moments. And yet we're still, like going back to what he says here, we're, the promise is to, out of gratitude of forgiveness of sins, to, to go in the way that God has shown us so that we can experience the life that he intends for us. So following his way uh, will ultimately lead to that. And so that kind of can take you into this text, Habits of the Household. And I'll kind of, if you haven't read it, I'm going to just kind of distill. Before we get to that, there was a part where um, basically, did you get, we uh, we got uh, another 12 minutes before we go into the breakouts, I think. So, okay, starting with the end in mind. So the conclusion, right, of this whole thing. This is, this is at the end of Duties of Parents by Ryle. Home is the place where habits are formed. Home is the place where the foundations of our characters are laid. Home is the place where our tastes, our likings, and opinions are influenced most. Given these truths, I beg you to see to it that you give careful training to your children in your home. I think it's remarkable that, like, I, you know, I got these books before I read that exactly. And he's talking about that in 1860. Mm-hmm. And then this is the book, Habits of the Household, which ties right into mm-hmm. it, right? Um, and so what this begins with is, and, and I, I would very much suggest Audible for this. I mean, read it. It's lovely to highlight and have it to go back to. And he even says in this, and um, it's just wonderful, that he didn't picture anyone sitting down and and reading this, like sitting down quietly, I'm going to devote, you know, 30 minutes to read this. He pictured it sitting on the kitchen counter with a spilled bottle next to it. And, you know, it in your car, just getting picked up. He, He wants this to go along with the true rhythms of 
of our lives as parents and, and the messiness of that. But um, he begins this whole book by sharing um, his bedtime routine. And I think it's so relatable. And it's just that bedtime is not going well. He's got three boys in the house and a pregnant wife. And they've done bath time. And then he says um, he becomes an impotent general shouting commands. And um, the boys are, are wrestling naked in the house. I mean, you can, you can picture this chaos. You can almost put yourself empathetically in it. Like, yep, that's real. Um, and and that, that you can, I can feel at least the, 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 t- the intensity. You know, you're, you're barking those demands at your kids. You're hitting that wall. And, um, and then it's bedtime. And he walks out of the room and he closes the door and he says, I didn't feel the usual relief of bedtime being over. I felt conflicted and embarrassed. I wondered if the kids had sensed the irony when, before turning out the lights, I gave them a short bedtime prayer and told them that God loves them. And I do too. I wonder what they think love means. Right? Right? Like, ouch. Ouch. Um, and so that was the moment he said was exactly led him to the epiphany. This is our normal. And he murmured to himself, and it wasn't a good thing. And so this whole book um, was kind of spurred on by that moment of um, what are his typicals, what are his normals. And so you take that quote from J.C. Ryle that's saying in every moment, and then you take a book like this that's going to take us into the habits of how we wake up and how we have bedtimes and how we talk among one another in the car. And, um, and I'm excited about that, right, for my own personal um, sanctification and, and, and the shepherding of, of my children. I think it's, on, it's both a really encouraging thing. So I think – I can't remember where in the book Habits of the Household. I think it's in the introduction when he says that it's in the most ordinary moments that some of the greatest spiritual training happens. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, that's incredibly wonderful to know. I, I don't have to be you know, an expert in all of this. I just – some of the basic things of life. You know, He talks about mealtimes and bedtimes. Mm-hmm. These are the training ground, so to speak, of – forming love of Jesus and neighbor in our children. And yet it's also terrifying because if you think about what is your normal, I mean, that was some really difficult conversations in our house of what is our normal? Where are the places that we are really struggling? Because what are they getting? Not so much in what we say we love, but in what we do that shows them what we really love. And I was surprised between the duties of parents, the habits of household, and those parent responses that we got the one thing that I hear echoed that I have tended to just play down um, is, is that um, home, home is where it's happening. And for me, as like a working mom, a working dad, and our kids are in school, like I had put so much more stock in, in the influence of those things that they were, were getting in other places. But among all of this content, it's saying home. And um, in this book, he says, the most Christian way to think about our households is that they're little schools of love, places where we have one vocation, one calling, to form all who live here into lovers of God and neighbor. And, um, and I mean, that's like, we're, we're all saying, they're like, yeah, that's right, that's okay. Practically, um, and that's where I really enjoy the rawness of his, his writing, because he's very much, you know, he says, so he created a bedtime liturgy. Um, and we have a lot of those liturgies in our lives, and you can talk more about that. But, but he, he created this, and what I really enjoyed reading was, and that he wants to make sure we all hear, is it didn't go well. 
It was messy. It was weird. His boys tried to poke his eyes when he was like, let me pray. Look in my eyes. Let me tell you I love you. You know, like, but by about two weeks in, something had shifted. And the boys were asking him for their liturgy, for that, for that blessing pronounced upon them of love and that reminder of God's love. And that, I think, is something where I will so often give up and many of us will give up and say, well, it's just not working. But it's, it's I think where you can talk about liturgies and how habits are formed um, and what he, yeah. he really shared about. Yeah, I think both, again, Ryle and Early are talking about the importance. So training, right? This, what, what a liturgy is, is a common practice that is meant to, um, all that we do actually communicates something. And what we do with our bodies reinforces ultimately what, what our loves are. And so there's this quote here um, on page 10. I, I think this is amazing. In other words, you can't think yourself out of a pattern you didn't think yourself into. You practiced yourself into it, so you have to practice your way out of it. Consider Habits of the Household, this book, as an effort to unite education and formation. Think about them as ways to align our heads and our hearts so we don't just know the right thing to do. We also love doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's getting at the power of liturgy, right? That's why we have... On Sunday mornings, we all of that is by design, and it's why it's training. I mean, if you went out and tried to run a marathon, you can read a book about how to run, but that's not going to help you train for a marathon. You actually, I mean, it may provide a little bit of help. I don't know, but like <laughs> until you're out there actually doing this, that's where the real training is, right? And so, um, both Ryle and Early hit on the importance of of training and the importance of our our habits, which reinforce ultimately what we love. And so I, I think that was one of the big takeaways for me was there are all these little things in our heart in our days that um, that teach our hearts, that form our hearts to love certain things. And oftentimes it's covert, it's kind of under the hood. And what we're doing in this time and what we're inviting you to do is kind of take an audit of your life from a what are the practices that you do that you don't even think about. And here's a guide, right? I mean here are some of the he starts in the beginning of the day and goes to the end of the day as the way he's framed this book. But be thinking about those things that your family does uh, that train them to love something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love it. going back to Marshall's sermon, right? I mean, he was like, you know, we do this all the time. And my kids know who Scotty Scheffler is and Jordan Speed. And it's not a question of whether they're going to love them. They will love them. And this is how we're going to go about doing it. Or college football on Sunday. Like, it's not a question of where our allegiance lies. Do I have that same level of intentionality in forming their loves for Jesus Christ? And this um, early talks about, and as you get into it, if you've read it, if you have not read it, you're going to hear him talk about rules of life. And um, before you break out into your, your conversations, perhaps you have done a rule of life before. Perhaps you've heard of it. You're interested in it. So he actually wrote the book, The Common Rule. And it can help you do inventories of your life and help structure your life. And then something that I have done um, is, and Katie started with me, but, you know, Enneagram ones. We get really ambitious. I'm still not done with this. Um, it has sat by my bedside, and sometimes I pick it up and sometimes I don't. But this is a wonderful thing to look at if you're interested in, in looking through this real quick, ordering it. Because this actually, as you cultivate throughout this time, rules of life, um, rhythms in your life. This has charts in it. This has questions in it. So maybe, you know, it's like, how do you 
Set up your time, your trust, your temple, your treasure, and your talent daily, weekly, monthly, semi-annually, and annually. Um, and so these are kind of when you hear about the rules of life in this content, this is what it's talking about. Um, and the, um, the Benedictine and what is rule a, has, a, a rule. it's an ancient, it's, it's, your, it's your liturgies. It's the things that you stand by. It's your boundaries for contemporary language of like, you know, I will do this because I realize that this is formative to the rhythms and the heart and the mind. Yeah, it's, we tend to think of like a command is what the rule mm-hmm. is or like a law. And it's more like a trellis mm, upon yeah. which um, a plant or flowers can grow and flourish. So it's kind of those skeleton mm-hmm. habits, right? Yep. That, and what's so important in all of this is it begins with us. Mm-hmm. It begins with our relationship with God and our own personal spiritual habits mm-hmm. before we go into um, that as parents. So. That's probably a good place to, to break out. Talk. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how we're going to do small groups again? Um, so if you're not reading it, if you're not listening to it, you can find it on Audible. You can find the books. We can get them for you. We have some extra copies. Um, but if you're not engaging the content, don't worry because we're going to kind of filter it for you and, and give, give parts of it to you that may interest you more. Um, and then it's really easy i think in this time to find parent content right we're inundated with it but the real struggle and difficulty as parents is finding the people and the place to engage that content and to engage our lives as parents and people together in a consistent way Um, and so the first part is going to be us kind of just saying this is what the content was this week And then the next part of our time together will be um, that time for us to go to some small groups. And don't worry, you're not going to get put in a small group for the next however many weeks with the same people. We're going to mix it up. And then maybe that's going to draw you guys to want to grab a dinner with this person or get to know these people or play date with this person. Um, And it's going to provide that time for you to talk and to digest um, what, what content we give to you. And we've got questions for that. Fantastic. And we want to say something about the parenting panel that we've put And we forward. have a parenting panel because we are totally unqualified and we do not sit up here as experts. We do not sit up here as leaders. We sit up here as just people to facilitate this time um, with a willingness and an eagerness um, as parents among you um, who are greatly in need um, of people um, to do this with. And so we were like, well, we shouldn't like what I mean we need like I want to know the things I want to ask all the questions I want to be like, what are you doing in your house what are you doing in your house so we kind of um prayerfully said who are some people in our congregation that um we've noticed and we are curious about and we are inspired by and there are many it, it's abundant we have such a rich um community here to draw from we can't ask everybody all at one time so we kind of um ask some people and they're amazing people um and those that were willing have um offered to serve as an anonymous panel at this time the reason being because i know like i don't want to get caught up in who it is or what i see i want to be able to actually hear what they're offering um and so each week after the course there's a qr code in your um materials and you can scan that QR code and shoot this anonymous panel of 
mystery parents any questions that you may have as to their lives. Their children are a little bit older. Their children may be adults. Um, it's a very diverse range of parents on the other side of this. Um, and so they are going to spend the week kind of thoughtfully responding. And when you come to the class next week, their responses will be in your packet. And then at the end, we are going to ask them and invite them to come and join us. Yeah. So you'll know. Yeah, pretty excited. Mm -hmm. um, I will say one, uh, yeah, we got the bishop's wife who was willing. I talked to them, I was like, man, they'd be cool to get the bishop on this, like our new bishop. And uh, he was like, well, since my wife was the one that primarily raised our kids, um, <laughs> You might want her on there, and I said, I'll happy to get either of you or both of you. So uh, really thrilled to have, um, to have her be on that. And as Molly said, the very last class you'll see will kind of be like, okay, we've talked a lot about, uh, I mean, hopefully each week it'll be practical and that sort of thing, but uh, as you'll see, like, how do we do this in the day-to-day -day lives? Uh, and, and having them come in maybe in person would be kind of a fun reveal and a fun way to ask more questions and as we wrap up the class. Um, oh, just a word on like how we decided to find like the material. As Molly said, there's a wealth of different, I mean, you just go on a, a, an infinite number of blogs and books that have been written on this. I'm of the mindset that parenting, like we've got far more, this is a perennial thing. I mean, people have been parenting kids and all the struggles, right? They may look different in different years, but like those same basic struggles have always been around. And so I'm fascinated. I think it's really helpful when you look outside of your own like particular couple decades and get really outside of your, um, your little niche that you're in. Sometimes people who've gone before can open up blind spots to your own like world that we're living in. So uh, we've got a very small little book and I realized I ordered uh, some copies of this and then it completely went off Amazon. <laughs> so like I think they're out of stock. Uh, but this is a modernized uh, version of J.C. Ryle, he's a 19th century Anglican bishop, uh, wrote a little pamphlet called Duties of Parents. It's very short. Um, and I like the modernized thing. It had some cool questions, but you can find it. I was telling uh, Haygood, you can find it probably for free online if you just learn to print stuff off. Um, but there's also uh, like this other copy that I've ordered to that, um, I mean, y'all are smart. You'll be able to figure it out. So uh, it was written in 1860, but it's, you can still comprehend a lot of the stuff. So that's the older version of uh, some of the content. And then this book was released last year. It's by a guy named Justin Whitmill Early. He wrote another book called The Common Rule. And he has talked a lot about the spiritual power of habits. That ha more so than what we think we love, what we do shapes what we love. And that has a lot of implications for how we parent. What we actually do says a whole lot more than what we say. You all know this, but he has broken it up. It's pretty neat, like kind of, um, we'll read each of these. And what I've done is essentially, you'll see on the syllabus here, um, basically Ryle's book is in green, uh, Early's book is in blue, and we're more or less following the like the flow of thought in this book uh, with adding a couple little chapters, and they're like two or three pages from J.C. Ryle's book. Um, the chapter titles might be different in this modern version. That's okay. It still should be chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, all the way to 17 there. So you'll need this. I can post this online if that would be helpful probably, but take this with you. Um, and you don't have to 
to have read anything for today. In fact, this all starts next week. So what I was hoping we would do for this time is, speaking of uh, something out of our own, I guess, time period, uh, you get two sermons today. It's going to be a little 10-minute clip of a sermon. All right? Yay! Um, But it was a sermon by Dr. Peter Marshall. He was the chaplain to the U.S. Senate. He died in like the mid-40s, but he gave the sermon, I think in 1940, over 80 years ago. And we were listening to it, and we were absolutely struck by how much it actually pertains to the struggles we face in our lives as, as parents. And so we thought it might be fun to start off the class by listening to like a little 10-minute clip of that. Do you want to say, yeah. I, I will say too with all of this, and maybe this will kind of segue into something that I think is important for you to say sure, sure. as we begin. Um, we actually listened to this book this summer on the way to family vacation because that's a great time to really feel convicted about all the things you're doing wrong and all the things you can do better. Yay, vacation! <laughs> this but is every great. time we would, you know, you have like kids, you're like stopping and starting. We had to agree that we would stop stopping it and pointing at each other. You know, like, that's what you do! You don't do it right! That's right. Um, but, Justin would say at one point, he said, are you ready for the gut punch? Yeah. Because it really was um, something to listen to as, as all of this content can feel like this gut punch, right? But really, it's this beautiful conviction and desire to do well, right? To honor the Lord, to delight in our children, um, to bless uh, the calling that, that we are in. Um, but I know for me, as we enter into this listening time and this content, I really tend to get like stuck in this place of like shame, right? Um, so I think that's where I would really want as we begin and for you all to really hear um, the, the good news of grace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what thing other than parenting has brought more sense of vulnerability and guilt? Like I can't think of anything else. And I just want to acknowledge that, especially as we kind of do small groups at throughout like we thought it's important to actually talk about what does this look like? How can we encourage one another in this time? So we are going to devote half the time to a, like discussion heavy, and we think that's important. Um, but we we so quickly feel discouraged because, and like guy with the collar on, especially it woefully short of what God calls us to be as parents. And so I thought it'd be important just to share a little bit of like, okay, especially as we look at the goal of parenting this week and next week, but really throughout this time, you'll probably hear things that are like, ooh, I don't come nearly close to that. And basically the, uh, in Christianity, there's this notion of what the law is and what the good news is. So the law is like what God wants us to do. And that's a reflection of his good character, and we should do that. But there's a several ways that the law is helpful. One, it shows us that we're woefully short and we're sinners, like uh, miserable sinners and offenders. So it first shows us like a diagnostic x-ray that we fall way short and we need a redeemer. We need a savior. And so the good news is not that we're great parents. It's that we have a great parent who loves us no matter what. And that needs to be the foundation, and that needs to be every week as we talk about this, as we hear about it, to keep reminding ourselves we're not saved by being good parents. We're not saved by following the law. We're saved by God's grace and mercy. It's the whole good news of Christianity. It's not about what we do. 
It's what God has done for us. And no um, greater aspect of life is that more needed and felt than parenting. Um, but also, so I mean, like the, the law shows us our need, but it also instructs us in the way we should go. So having that grace well up in our hearts, out of gratitude, we seek to follow after God and what he wants us to do. I mean, so we have to start with at least the ideal. What does God want for us as parents? So um, this sermon does a, a good job of that. And, um, do you want to kind of set up the sermon? Tell us yeah, so because we're not listening to the 40-minute sermon, in the, the little small group discussion, I kind of outlined the basic thing of what he talks about. <clears throat> the sermon's called Compromise in Egypt. And the, the whole premise is that when Moses went to Pharaoh saying, let, let my people go, is what God says. We, we think about the plagues. God warns uh, Pharaoh to let his people go. But Pharaoh is not accommodating at first, right? And in fact, he, we often just think, okay, he says no over and over again. Actually, there's four times that Pharaoh seeks to compromise with Moses. And this sermon walks through each of those compromises. The first compromise, so I mean, this, the Hebrew people were the whole economy and the workforce of, of Egypt. And so he's like, actually, um, yeah, you can go worship the Lord, but, but do that here in Egypt. Don't leave. That's the first compromise. Second compromise is, um, and, and these are written down here, you, you can worship the Lord and you can go out of Egypt, but don't go so far because you're coming back. Like, don't, don't leave too far. Just go a little bit of the way. Third compromise is, is you can go, but you have to leave your children here in Egypt. Fourth compromise is um, you can go, you and your families, but leave all your wealth and possessions and livestock. We're not going to look at points one and two, but we're going to spend some time looking at points, or sorry, one and four, but we're going to look at points two and three. Uh, ten minutes, and then we'll break out for discussion. And it might feel like a gut punch. Just a And he's like Scottish, too, so... You know, it, it's, it's from 1940 and a Scottish guy, so like, if you, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. Egypt, be one of the boys. Stay here in the land. What should God do? What do it here? The second compromise Pharaoh suggested was. I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Keep within reach of Egypt. Don't be cut off from all that Egypt has to offer. Don't let your religion isolate you. Just make a short excursion into the wilderness for the sake of your religion if you must, but don't go very far away. There are many Christians trying desperately to do exactly that. They commute on Sunday mornings from the affairs of every day, from their interest in Egypt, they make a short and brief excursion into religion for about one hour a week. They'll put a watch on you too if you're not very careful. And then they return with relief to Egypt's bright life, its music and laughter, its buying and selling and all its attentions. They try to keep the religion separate from their everyday interests. It must not interfere with their fingers or with business. It's for Sundays only. Go to church if you want to, but as soon as that is over, then the rest of the day is your own do what you like. The third compromise suggested by Pharaoh was 
that the adults should go, but that their children should be left in Egypt. That the grown-ups, that the old people do it if they want to, but, but to leave the children here. This was perhaps the most subtle and the most successful of all the compromises, because even the most godly parents today desire not only prosperity and position for their children. They want their children to stay in Egypt. They want their children to find success and approval in Egypt. One of the greatest problems facing the church today is the fact that so many children and young people are still in Egypt with the approval and the consent of their parents. In most cases, the schools have been strictly prohibited from teaching religion. We have supposed that it is possible to provide education which is religiously neutral, to which religion can then be added in greater or lesser measure. But in fact, an education which is not religious is atheistic. There is no middle ground. If you give to your children an account of the world from which God is left out, you will teach them to understand the world without reference to God. Now if God exists at all, it is obvious that he is the most important of all that does exist. We can understand nothing properly until we see it in its relation to God and his Bibles. There are many devout Christian parents who have literally found God out of their home. They no longer have family prayers. They have dispensed with the blessing at meals. There is no giving thanks to God for the daily bread. Religious instruction in the home has become a thing of the past. And yet I do not suggest that modern parents are not devoted to their children. They are anxious to have their children succeed. They are desperately concerned that their children shall be happy. The welfare of their children is very dear to them. And yet in many cases it neglects the most important thing. Children are provided with the very best in medical, dental, and optical care. Their teeth are given careful attention, their eyesight, their tonsils, their posture are all looked after. The social graces are not neglected. They are given music lessons, dancing lessons, instruction and expression. They are given dramatics and music appreciation. Their bodies and their minds are carefully nurtured and trained while their souls are starved and neglected. Where are the children? Where are your children? Have you left them in Egypt? Are you content that they should stay in Egypt and grow into manhood and womanhood without knowing God? Is it your desire that they should grow up without the faith of their grandparents? You are anxious that they should succeed in college and obtain good grades. Well, that is certainly a laudable ambition. You are anxious that they shall receive fits to the right fraternities and sororities. Well, that is not altogether evil. You are anxious that they shall be endowed with all the social graces and that friends and be acceptable in society. For well, these ambitions are not to be condemned, but they are not the most important things in life. And when you have discharged them all, you have not fulfilled your obligation to your children. Some parents have discovered that their children do not like to go to church or to Sunday school. This seems to be true of a considerable number of normal children. 
Now we're going to church and Sunday school, but we only hold some activity to which children object it. Then it might be something to alarm parents. But this is merely one of a number of things, many of them quite normal, that children do not want to do. Some of them do not want to go to public school either, and yet one does not hear the parents say, Dear, dear, I, I don't know what to do. Our children dislike public school, and so we don't make them go for fear they will grow up hating knowledge. And later on, we don't want to go to college, so we just let them go when they feel like going. Most little boys do not like to wash their necks or to clean behind their ears. And yet when parents make this disturbing discovery, that the young gentlemen react very violently to this wholesome activity, they do not say, well, we never force our little boy to wash his neck or to wash behind his ear, because we are afraid that when he grows up, he will hate soap and water and become a dirty man and not take the back. Religious training and the cultivation of religious habits are even more important than the training and the cultivation of intellectual cultural habits. Children who are brought up to feel that this is a world in which people can follow their own inclinations have been given a false view of life which they will later on have to unlearn through painful experience. If Sunday morning should be inclement, far too many parents are inclined to say, well, it is a very nasty day. It's a shame to send our child out on a day like this. So greatly to his delight, the little boy is allowed to stay at home. But if the inclement weather continues until the next morning, if it is inclement on Monday morning, he finds to his dismay that the same rules do not apply. You see, parents regard it as important that he should go to public school. Thus we are bringing up a generation of young people who have been taught by their parents that religion is not important that the cultivation of the soul is not a very serious matter. Their parents have told them that to go to church and learn about God is not very important, but to go to school and learn about arithmetic is tremendously important. One half of all American children today receive absolutely no religious instruction whatsoever. And the alarming thing about it is that most of them belong to the privileged groups. They live in our Chevy Chase and your gross point. They are not children of the slums. They are children of the most privileged classes. There are children who have been left in Egypt who do not know God. They are not antagonistic to religion or to the church. But to them, religion and the church are simply not important. And it is hard to see how they can be called anything other than pagan. Bruce Barton once told, meeting a successful businessman some years ago in Tokyo, the man was one whose name among Americans was a household word, and yet he was facing the dock in deepest despair. A friend said, what's on your mind? He answered, I'm a miserable failure. Oh no, said a friend, on the contrary, you're a brilliant success. So much so that every American boy who dreams of a future for himself seeks a future such as your life has been. And the man answered, but what's the use of it all? 
if your son is a fool? I might add another and even more searching question. What is the good of your son's private property? Or your girl's successful career in music or art or journalism? If they don't know God, if they are not saved, if they have not entered into a saving relationship with God through Christ, if they are spiritually illiterate and spiritually dead, that's the question you will have to answer if your children are left in Egypt. The fourth compromise that Pharaoh suggested was in the following words, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks up. I hope you could hear some of that. That might have been challenging, but uh, we do have that digitized if you would like to listen to it later. Um, what are we going to do? I mean, that was passionate, right? Um, we've listened to it a couple of times. I've gotten used to listening to old guys because our rule in our household is whoever is driving the car gets to pick what we listen to, and Dustin loves to pick, to listen to like old dead guys. Both. So, it's a training of the ear, I suppose. Um, okay, so small group. We um we want you guys to have time to talk, and we've provided questions for you to kind of talk through in your group. Um, there is this great page about small group etiquette, and Justin sent it to me, and I was reading, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to go vomit in the trash can right now because. I'm terrible at a lot of these, and um, praise God that I am going to have the opportunity to grow and get better at how I engage in a small group, um, probably with more self-control. I'm going to work on that. Um, but um, just kind of quickly going through it, safe group confidentiality, right? Um, we want to listen. We want to take the pause. We want to be able to be comfortable with silence sometimes. We don't have to immediately fill in. Um, no crosstalk, meaning... Um, try and hold those side conversations um, for perhaps a lovely coffee. You know, if you hear something that you're like, oh yeah, me too, me too. You know, you could go grab coffee with a friend about it. Um, no fixing. We are not here to fix each other's problems. Um, Jesus does that. We can give encouragement. We can speak truth. We can point to Jesus. But we don't try to solve or fix each other. And I would like to add to that, though. Um, perhaps be aware if you are sharing in a posture of curiosity for a welcome um, to hear other people's um, experiences or or um, strategies, I don't know. Perhaps ask. Perhaps I'm, I'm going to share, and I would love to hear your strategies. I would love to um, engage that conversation. Perhaps um, no rescuing. So that kind of goes on the no fixing. Um, when people are sharing something deeply personal, there can be a tendency to try and immediately make them feel better. Um, and then that immediately makes me stop sharing and going deeper with perhaps processing. Um, be sensitive about the amount of time you share and how many times you share. Um, I was in a group one time where we had to tally um, each person and you were not allowed to share until each person had had their, their tally. Um, that's, I mean, like literally all day, I'm like, oh, I'm terrible at this. Uh, okay, so be self-aware, use I statements. That's going to be fun for all you spouses in here. Um, I don't think that's totally reasonable for this group because I do think so often you can, in a parenting group, say, well, we are in our house, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, be kind. Yes, be kind. <laughs> don't throw your spouse under the bus. Um, and conflict. We will commit to resolve conflict biblically. 
And then did you want to go scuba diving? Did you want to talk about scuba diving? Yeah. Um, so you've talked a little bit, like, you don't have to read any of this material, even though, like, I assume those who got the books probably want to read them. Uh, but each week we'll be going through, so you can kind of be, I love what Brian says, that you can be on the beach, like, I'm not getting in the water, I'm just going to show up on Sunday mornings, and we're happy that you're here. You'll hear a good bit of stuff, and you can still contribute to the conversation. If you do want to, to go swimming, uh, you'll read, hey, I'll read the material, I'll show up, and we'll discuss, great. If you want to go scuba diving, we have a lot of resources that we've looked at and would love to share, but I didn't want to overwhelm you with all this scuba gear um, off the bat. If you're just looking to show up on the beach, that's fine. And that can change as we yeah. go through the course. Um, how we're going to do groups today is um, kind of this space is an interesting space for, for small group discussion. So what we're going to kind of do is like these two pews, the front pew is going to turn and talk, like, turn and talk to your neighbor. Um, front pew is going to turn back and y'all are going to turn back and then, you know, kind of make your way to do that. Maybe, maybe Jessica, you want to squeeze into one of this groups right here and kind of navigate well in that. And then next week, you can sit in the same place, but we're not going to let you do the same group because we want you guys to have the experience of talking amongst yourselves and maybe we'll have like one awesome party at the end of this and like super celebrate that we are all walking out of here knowing each other better. The reason, hopefully y'all are all gonna be great at small group discussion, uh, but if you have a bad experience, <laughs> next week will be different because you'll have a different group. <laughs> that's what we were thinking. So come, come back. Um, that's kind of the whole point. So I, I think what would be great is you four, well, maybe do the four corners, like you four come up here, you four go back there uh, and split you guys, yeah. You six go up here, and then you six in that back left corner. Is that cool? So you're first, you go back, and you're Yeah, we are going to end at 10.15. you got 10 minutes. We'll have more in the future, but... y'all I gave you a, a ton of questions we're, we're gonna we're gonna draw it back um, and I want to talk briefly about what next week we are gonna have I, I put the wrong dates on the syllabus of course uh, I thought we'd start no rally way. Sunday and I put that as the first one so just read for read September 25th our own spiritual lives and our own children uh, so we'll read in this uh, early Read the part about waking, pages 31 through 50. And then duties of parents, read remember your example and remember God's example. And I know for us that means this week we are going to work really hard on um, observing our patterns of waking um, so that we can intentionally reflect on it. That's kind of a good way to go through this because there's going to be a lot of that, like waking, meal times, and all that. So like spend this week really trying to observe your, your waking routines. That's right. Um, how, how you start the day is kind of what, it, what it's all about. I have, yeah, so there's extra copies of this in the back if you don't have that. I didn't order this because apparently Amazon has only a couple left in stock of this version. You can find this for free as a PDF online. It's from 1860, so there's no copyright. Um, or you can get a little book uh, on Amazon and there's all sorts, it's all the same material. Uh, so the, the points that he makes correspond to the chapters that are 
that are listed in here. So the m- most important thing is if you're going to follow along, do waking chapter 1 of Habits of the Household, and then chapter 13 and 14. Remember God's example. Remember your example for this. Wanted to give you a, a brief sec. Any questions that you have for us, remember that QR code is available through the evening. So please do submit questions, anything related to family, faith, whatever, to that parenting panel. But is there anything you have for us as we come to a close? That's what we thought. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's going to ask us any questions. Uh, Did you enjoy talking? I hope, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. We, we want to give as much time to that as possible. Well, let me close us. Uh, I'm just going to read the full part of this quote just as a time to close us out with this thought in mind. Uh, it's our conviction and it's our goal, right? So no part of them, our children, should be as dear to us as that part, as that part which will never die. Think of it in this way. And every step you take with them, and every plan, every scheme, and every arrangement that concerns them, ask yourselves this mighty question, how will this affect their soul? Love for the soul is the soul of all love. To pander, pamper, and indulge our children as if this world was all they had to look to, and this life was the only season for happiness. To do this is not true love, but cruelty. Heavenly Father, we confess to you how woefully short we come to instill this vision in our children. We ask for a deeper sense of your grace this week, and we ask that your Spirit would come and empower us to, uh, to boldly live for you in our own lives, to have a vibrant relationship with you that begins in our own heart and our own soul. Help us both this week and throughout this semester as we look at this issue of parenting to be sensitive to where your spirit is leading, to not feel overwhelmed and paralyzed, but to have one step that we can take, to put one foot in front of the other and to following you, knowing that your paths lead to our ultimate joy in this life and in the life to come. I thank you so much for those people who could come today and ask your blessing on them and on all of us as we seek to live according to your word this week. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Mm.